you gotta understand something here. This music is the glue of the world. It holds it all together. Without this, life would be meaningless. Welcome to Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis, the pop music critic at the Chicago Sun-Times. And I'm Greg Cott. I write about rock and roll for the Chicago Tribune today on the world's only rock and roll talk show. It's the middle of the year, Jim. You know what that means. It is time. It's time for you to agitate that we do a <laughs> mid-year top ten best of show. You and I were arguing about this. Well, and how unusual is that? I mean, I think it's kind of lame. I think you wait till the end of the year. And you, But you, the king of equivocating, I believe that you foisted upon me this mid-year top ten that we do annually just so you can do the top tens twice a year. And then have like just because I like more music than you, you're gonna you're gonna diss me. No, you're gonna true, say you're gonna use that vile equivocate term. No, what? No. You know, I mean. Although I gotta admit too, we get what conservatively 200, 300 CDs in the mail every week, week yep. in, week out. Right? I have to keep a list of, of all the records that I, <laughs> I like most. I you know the sometimes we have a four star scale. You know, you equivocate more at the Tribune. You don't put stars on anything. You don't, you're not forced to put your butt on the well, line. Well, see, our, our readers actually read the reviews oh. as opposed to like. Just look at the star ratings. That's the important difference there. Yeah, well, it's good okay. enough for Roger Ebert. It's good yeah, enough for me. Right. So so anything that's three and a half stars or more, uh, you know, I keep a running tally. I've already got four or five dozen records uh, that, are, that are on that list. And uh, so here we are midway through before the big push in November, December, where we have to year, name our 10 best of the whole year. We're going to take stock, <laughs> name our best of the mid-year. And, uh, and needless to say, it goes without saying that we, that we think you should own – all of these records. Exactly. Your life would be richer for owning them. Some of them you may have heard. Some of them you may we may have talked about on Sound Opinions. Others we haven't. Yep. And one other caveat, you never know where these records are going to end up in the year-end top ten. But right now, yeah, these so are the records reserve, at a half-year point that we're right. the most excited about. We reserve the right to double back on ourselves in December. Absolutely. But right now, this is it's a, basically, it's yet another good excuse to play an hour of great music. That's exactly That would true. be the subtitle that of is this it. show. <laughs> great music for the next hour, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> All right. Uh, because we made a wager on the World Cup and you won, you get to go first, Mr. Cop. Oh, goody. So I'm going to play a record that uh, I have gotten excited about in the last few weeks. It's probably the most recent of my uh, entries into my uh, mythical top 20 of the mid-year point so far. Uh, it's a band called Dirty on Purpose from uh, Brooklyn. Uh, a lot of bands coming out of New York these days. A lot of bands coming out of Brooklyn. It is a quote-unquote hotbed of new music, supposedly. Oh, yeah, clap your hands, say yeah, on the show a couple of weeks ago. All good reasons to say, you know, why all the hype? Uh, why not just ignore it? Uh, in this case, I think that the band uh, is worthy of the hype, such as it is. It's a band called Dirty on Purpose. First album called Hallelujah Sirens uh, just came out. What I love about this record, um, it could have gone a couple of ways. The, the co-ed vocals, gauzy guitars, the way those creeping subterranean bass lines work their way through the songs puts me in mind of those uh, British shoegazer bands of the early 90s, the big washes of guitar sound uh, 
beautiful atmospheric melodies tucked inside these big cavernous guitar scapes. Modern psychedelic rock. Right. And, uh, you know, specifically the band Slow Dive, kind of one of the minor members of that uh, shoegazer scene, but they they basically did one song and they did it incredibly well over the course of a few albums. But there's a flip side of this band. They could just do that beautiful, humongous ballad thing uh, for an entire album and probably do pretty well at it. But they've also got these grooves going, uh, the bass drums thing, that, that sort of hurtling momentum of these songs is what really put me over the top about this record. I I think about uh, listening to this record as if I was hearing a great song rushing past me from a subway train. Like you just hear it, you sort of hear it, and it's past you before you know it. Uh It was kind of that rush of melody that was really, you know, uh, exciting me about this record. It's bringing out the literary side of you, the writerly side. Gauzy, subway train analogies. Listen to you. All those beautiful uh, rock crit words, you know, but they apply to this one. Uh, Dirty on Purpose, Hallelujah Sirens, and here's a great example of what I was talking about. That sort of blurred, sort of blissed out momentum of the of the guitars and the drums. Uh, a song called "Monument" on Sound Opinions.
That's Monument from uh, Dirty on Purpose from the album Hallelujah Sirens, one of my favorite of the mid-year so far. Jim, what's first up on your plate for our mid-year best of? Well, this is both uh, an entry on my top uh, 25 or so records so far in 2006 and a preview of a red-hot live performance uh, to come on Sound Opinions in a couple of weeks. The Bell Rays are a fantastic quartet from Southern California, Riverside. Been a group for going on 15 years. <laughs> they're, they're in, heading into their second decade. And uh, their fifth album, Have a Little Faith, is yet again a DIY effort. You know, this is a, it's a real real underground band that's been slogging it out in the trenches for years, but finally are starting to get some of the attention that they deserve, mainly because of Lisa Kakaula, the lead singer, just a firebrand vocalist. Incredible. She is a star. There's no two ways about it. She is a star. You know, the the Bell Rays have been putting out good records for years. It's helped that other people are recognizing that. The MC5 tapped her to fill the shoes of the late Rob Tyner for some of the reunion touring last year. Crystal Method and Basement Jacks, uh, those two dance Dance bands have, have, have brought her in. They have a song on a, a recent car commercial, uh, yeah. <laughs> which you, you can't fault them because they took the money and they made this album. And it's a great one. I think that the Bell Rays have always been, first and foremost, a garage band, but they've never been limited by that genre. They've never been obsessed with you know replicating the 60s, and they've always had other influences. They always get compared to the Detroit sound, that mix that the MC5 had of R&B, Motown after all, and raw punk rock fury. They take it somewhere else entirely on this album with a mix of uh, of ballads and kind of R&B and jazz flavored uh, slow jams and the ferocious guitar rock. I think it's the finest thing they've done so far and they're just a great band. It's the first time they've really captured on record the intensity of their live shows. I'm going to play a track here called Pay the Cobra. Again, this is the Bell Rays. The album's called Have a Little Faith on Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio. Christ! 
All right, Pay the Cobra. Doesn't that get you just wanting to jump up and down Pogo? That's a great band. You are absolutely correct. Pay the Cobra by the Bell Rays. Have a little faith is their fifth album. You need to hear it now. You're listening to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio, and we are documenting our choices for the year's best records so far in 2006. All right, this is an album we talked about several weeks ago with great enthusiasm. Jim, I know you're also a fan of this record, uh, Neil Young's Living With War. It's on my top ten as well. Neil Young is famous for almost like a knee-jerk reaction. Something ticks him off or gets him excited, gets him inspired, and he doesn't want to wait around. He's going to go right into the studio that night and start writing songs and recording music. Famously, Ohio, about the shootings at Kent State, 10 days Mm -hmm. from the recording studio to the top of the charts back in 70. Here, 30 years later, essentially uh, doing the same kind of thing in response to the Iraqi War, writing and recording and mastering 10 songs for a new album, Living With War, in the matter of a few weeks in which he calls for the impeachment of the president, and he describes a world where TV commercials you know, are pushing pain relief while soldiers are coming home in boxes. I mean, he is right. just... It's what is happening to our planet? And the musical intensity matches the lyrical anger. There's also a hundred-voice choir on this record, so he combines elements of gospel with this garage punk, you know, a mating mm-hmm. that you would think would not work, but actually works really beautifully on several songs. And the other thing I love about this record, Jim, it's so much of the moment. He names names. He's not worried about about, well, how's this going to hold up 20 years from now? Yeah. He's talking about, this is my response to what's going on in the world right now. And in the song, Looking for a Leader, that we're going to play next, he's talking about maybe Barack Obama, maybe Colin Powell, maybe Hillary yeah. Rodham Clinton can lead this country out of a mess, but we are leaderless right now, as far as he's concerned. Neil Young ticked off, engaged with the world in a way that I haven't heard him, even though he's made a number of fine albums in recent years. I think this is one of the best he's made in a couple of decades. It's I would called, agree. called Living With War, and here's the song Looking for a Leader on Sound Opinions. Someone straight and strong to lead us from death. 
Neil Young living with war, and that is looking for a leader. Neil Young looking for a leader in a leaderless country as far as he's concerned. We are running down our best of the mid-year so far, and uh, if you're confused or have more questions or want to know more about these records, we played additional songs from these records. We talked about them in past weeks on past shows. Go to soundopinions.org, where Jim and I will have our complete lists for the mid-year so far, as well as links to past discussions and music from these records. While reserving the right (laughs) to revise our list at the end of the year, we are putting our butts on the line saying, this is music we guarantee, we think, everything that makes us a critic says, you got to own. These are the goods. Exactly. And we might have missed a few. We might catch up with more. We might change (laughs) our mind on some, but that's still to come. More of the year's best on Sound Opinions as soon as we return.
Welcome back to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio. I'm Jim DeRogatis of the Chicago Sun-Times. My partner is the list-crazy Greg Cott of the Chicago Tribune. And that's Alone, Jealous, and Stoned from The Secret Machines. Their second album, Ten Silver Drops, another of my picks of the year. I'm not going to play any more Secret Machines, although I love that album, Greg. I'm going to shift to a different kind of druggy rock. I think Secret Machines' drug of choice is probably uh, psychedelic, uh, you know, maybe mescaline, a little peyote. Wolf Mother, (laughs) on their self-titled debut on Interscope, is strictly bong. They're hitting the bong. Absolutely. With beer, a little beer in it, maybe. You know, I started my review of it when I wrote about it in the paper, quoting that rock genius, probably my second favorite rock critic after you, David (laughs) St. Hubbins, uh, who said, it is such a fine line between stupid and clever. I was advocating reviewing this Wolf Mother disc for weeks, and and I don't know, I could never get you to do it on the show. When I say there's a fine line between clever and stupid, some bands are consciously parody. I have no use for the darkness. I never did. You know, I think Motley Crue was enough of a joke the first time around that we don't need the darkness to feed it back to us the second time. However, Stoner Rock is such a big, clunky, wonderfully goofy genre that, you know, just to play it, you have to be able to laugh at yourself. I mean, you go back to the earliest Black Sabbath records, they were laughing at themselves. Wolf Mother is laughing at themselves. Now, they've gotten a lot of hype because they're on Interscope. You know, they specialize in hype and over the top. There are better stoner rock bands. I will say that unequivocally, there are better stoner rock bands. High on Fire's last album last year is better than this record. But I love this record right here, right now. I think it's the finest stoner rock I've heard this year. It's silly. It's silly, silly stuff. There are songs called, you know, White Unicorn and Mind's <laughs> Eye and Where Have Eagles Been. There are massive solos. There's They don't actually have long hair, but they should. They should have hair that not only goes past their butts, it's like scraping the floor. <laughs> I mean, that's what this sound is. There should be 15 tattoos per guitarist. It's a power trio in the classic sense. And I, I don't know. It just makes me want to bang my head. It makes me happy. Have you been to
Wolf Mother from the album Wolf Mother, White Unicorn. You held your tongue. You didn't bum my high, man. Well, thank you. you. Know, they're okay. I, I <laughs> they're enjoy okay. <laughs> as a whole. I enjoy that genre of music quite a bit. Although I have to say, the Sword is doing it for me. If you were to pick one Stoner rock band for this year, Sto- the Sword. Is I, the I've got to. I've got to seek out that album because I saw the Sword live at the Intonation Music Festival in Chicago a, a week or two ago, and they were killer. I just don't have the album yet. That's why we have the year end and the mid year. There you go. Now, but I'm not going to fight you tooth and nail if you want to go quarterly. Because then what would be the point? No, no, know, no, it's... not quarterly. Once, <laughs> twice a year, twice a year for this show is enough. All right. But, Jim, thank you because you put me in a sort of druggy frame of mind here, so I'm going to go right to the new Ghostface Killer record. Ah. Uh, fish Scale. Yet uh, another drug. Yes. Cocaine, the choice this uncut time. Uncut cocaine. That is the street slang for uncut cocaine. Fish Scale. And you would think the biggest cliche in gangsta hip-hop music these days is to make a record about drugs and drug dealing. Mm -hmm. And, in fact, it is. But Ghostface Killa, a.k.a. Tony Starks, is one of the most brilliant rappers uh, in the history of, of that particular form of music. And he has turned the whole cliche inside out. And, again, one of these guys that is so inventive... That you could literally say, okay, make an entire album about that ashtray over there. Mm-hmm. And I think he could make something out of it. And he's done it, again, with Fish Scale. Gritty street narratives, yes, we know what that, where that's going to lead. But his gift of wordplay, his, his ability to find the telling detail is, is uncanny. When we reviewed this album a few weeks ago, Jim, I compared it to uh, you know, some of the great Hollywood exploitation movies like Shaft, written by Gordon Parks, or... Iceberg Slim novels about yeah. ghetto culture. Yeah, I, I um, invoked Iceberg and Jim Thompson for his, sure. His eye for detail is, is on that level, I think. A-list producers here, not the uh, Hollywood A-list, not the Dr. Dre's of the world, but Jay Dilla, Pete Rock, Just Blaze, MF Doom. These are first-class producers. The soundscapes that they surround Ghostface with are, are first-rate. And I think a great example of what he does when he talks about the the price of drug dealing and the culture of drug dealing in this record, it's definitely a cautionary tale he's telling here. He's not celebrating it. He's just giving you the grit, the journalistic detail. And, and one song is uh, where he talks about his childhood and uh, the fact that his mother used to beat him regularly. And he's sort of conflicted about it. You know, she said there'd be times where she'd beat me for no reason. But at the same time, he's saying, I wish children today would get this kind of consistent, relentless discipline from their parental (laughs) figures. Because, you know, in, in a way, it helped me survive this culture. And he's saying, you know, the kids today, maybe they're not getting this kind of direction from mm-hmm. their parental figures. So it's a really kind of a, a brilliant, a multi-level song. It's called Whip You With a Strap. It's kind of jarring, and at the same time, it's kind of poignant. And, and, I, and I love the way that Ghostface is able to communicate on several levels at once when he's doing that. It's Whip You With a Strap on Sound Opinions. Jokes on me, heard a voice get in the room, I 
get angry. Stop my feet, catch a tantrum, spit, scream, up for that. Mama shake me real hard, then get the big gat. That's called the belt. Help me as I yelled. I'm in the room like, <laughs> with mad whelps. Ragged out, bad belt. Yes, a presence was felt. Then get my black and sand the bed. It's time to crash out, pass out. She used to whip me with a strap when I was bad. And to this day she's on it But when I was a little dude Her son was a little rude I plucked the peas off my plate And poured juice to the nigga Fool, get beat Then I run tell grandma My mama hit me for no reason She whipped me hard when I finished eating And felt the bell stinging When I wet that bed Hit my drawers and start crying When she felt that bed Caught another when I told her Those the fake pro cads I'm in the corner weaving the scheme And trying to block my head Nowadays kids don't get beat They get big treats, fresh pair sneaks, punishments like having seats. Back then with friends and neighbors, a bust that ever had. Bring it to your mama, yo, she got the switch and the stash. That's back-to-back beatings. Only went outside for free lunch with whelps on my legs, still leaking, yo. Take me across her lap. She used to whip me with a strap when I was bad. You're listening to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio, and we are documenting our choices for the year's best records so far in 2006. Ghostface Killa, getting deeper than we may like, but it's what I love about this record, the incredible detail that he brings to his uh, street scenarios. Whip You With a Strap, the record is called Fish Scale, one of the very best hip-hop albums of the year so far. Uh, let's shift gears entirely. Let's go punk rock. What do you say? I know you love this album as well. It, it's on your list, I think, of the best so far. Mission of Burma's The Obliterati. Absolutely. Man, what a great record. And I'm proud to say I think we're going to have them on the show in a couple of weeks as well, giving you some taste of things that have come up. Mission of Burma was a semi-legendary early 80s Boston band, a trio plus a uh, an alchemist, sonic alchemist on uh, tape loops who worked that end of things from the soundboard that just kind of laid the groundwork. One of those lost bands that laid the groundwork from punk to alternative. Never sold any records uh, or not enough to enjoy the kind of Nirvana Soundgarden taste of fame that would right. come. Isn't considered quite as historical as the bands like the Sex Pistols and the Ramones. They were caught in the middle. But now here they are back for the second act of their career. And I have to say with this album in particular, they returned with, after a 22-year break with a record called On, Off, On. But with the Obliterati, they show that they are definitely as powerful as they were the first time around. If you have never heard Mission of Burma, doesn't matter. You can listen to this record and have your mind blown. You know, you, you get the intense melodicism coupled with this kind of sonic experimentation right. and uh, y- the melodies and the noise. That's the whole thing. You know, I think you drove that point home when we reviewed the record. Noise, melodies, melodies, noise. As good as the two get when you put them together. I'm going to play a track that we didn't have time to play when we did the review. It's called Donna Samaria. It's kind of a tongue-in-cheek look at simultaneously talking about the Iraqi war and try to take a critical revision look at at disco disco 
was pretty avant-garde. It was considered the sellout mainstream at the time by some rock fans, but when you go back and listen to stuff, especially like those Giorgio Moroda productions for Donna Summer, yes. it was very avant-garde. Yep. So, as always, Mission of Burma is firing on, on several cylinders at once. This is a political song. This is a dance punk song that's referencing Donna Summer, and it's just a great song, period, on Sound Opinions. Mission to Burma. I don't know. All right, so it's so it's not nothing is as four star on the four star scale quite as uh, that's when I reach for my revolver or Academy Fight Song. It's only three point seven five stars. Pretty good though. <laughs> yeah, no nostalgia there, my no. man. You're absolutely right about it. Great record. A band out of Sweden called Love Is All. You talk about that noise melody, you know, crossroads, and these guys are at it too. They come at it from a little bit more of a jazzy perspective. Uh, you know, they remind me a little bit of some of those uh, no-wave bands out of New York City in the early 80s that were incorporating elements of free jazz into what they were doing uh, with, the, with the punk rock rhythms underneath. The Swedish band also incorporates a good element of disco, of, of that four-to-the-floor backbeat that, you know, fills dance floors. You mentioned Donna Summer and Giorgio Moroder. These guys were big fans of that sound as well. So they're combining these these different elements, the free jazz, shrieking saxophone, <laughs> the, the, the backbeat of disco, and, and, and sort of the noise melody of punk rock. And it's a wonderful thing when it comes together on a song called Make Out, Fall Out, Make Up. The uh, lead singer of the band, Josephine Olsen, she's a pistol up there on stage. She's, a, she's terrific to watch. She's singing about 
these relationships the morning after, the whole idea of, of love like a hangover, and sort of recovering from that. She starts off kind of bummed out. By the end of the song, the music is so energizing, she's uplifted again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I love that, love that feeling of, of, of starting low and, and finishing on a high. And that's where uh, Sweden's love is all, is all about. Here's Makeout. Did, did, didn't you play this when we I did, did the South by Southwest show? And I, you know, I'm cheating here, but this is flat out one of my favorite songs of the year. You sure you're not just fond of the pistol? I'm fond of the pistol, too. But she's all over this record. And this is her great moment. Make out, fall out, make up on Sound Opinions. Out, Fallout, Makeup from one of the best records of the year as far as I'm concerned so far. That's uh, Sweden's Love Is All. What label's that on? It's on the famed What's Your Rupture 
label, Jim. You didn't know that? <laughs> wow. You're Not exactly me. Sony or Warner Brothers, is it? Thank God for the internet yeah. now, though, because yeah. people can, can find that relatively easily. Absolutely. What did we do before we could have instant access to a band from Sweden? Exactly. That one critic in all of America likes. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. My next pick is a is slightly more accessible album, although I don't think it's gotten nearly the attention so far this year that it deserves. It's the second album by the Atlanta guitarist, vocalist, and songwriter Van Hunt, which I think uh, most critics uh, pronounced a better Prince album than the last Prince album, although I'll have to say I really love the last Prince album, and it's on a contender for my uh, top 20 or so albums of the year. Van Hunt's is better. I think it is, in fact, the most inventive male R&B album since D'Angelo's Voodoo in 2000. This guy is really pushing the envelope and stretching the definition of what R&B or soul are in the modern age, taking it far away from that way overproduced kind of R. Kelly school or Usher, you know, as the, the new inheritor of it, and referencing a lot of soul R&B history. You know, you get some Jimi Hendrix, you get some Sly Stone, you get a lot of Prince, you get an approximation of Curtis Mayfield duetting with Janis Joplin on, on that song Mean Streets with Nika Costa. But I'm going to play his cover of The Stooges, No Sense of Crime. This is a guy who could be a rock critic. This is a B-side from the raw power era of the Stooges. I went through my 15 Stooges albums and bootlegs, and I had—I think I had it on one. Now, see, you're cheating, too, because we played this one when we reviewed the re- record as well. Well, uh, I wasn't, so you I was love gonna, this song, too. I was going to play a different song, but then you, uh, you, know, you set <laughs> the broke, mode. Yeah, right. I know. broke the, uh, the pattern, right? I love this album from beginning to end. You want to play something different? I'll play Being a Girl, which I, I think you'll hear the prints in this. I mean, what a sexy falsetto Van Hunt has. You know, the guy was wrongly marketed as a singer-songwriter earlier in his career, when in fact I think he is that kind of just studio genius genre-blending kind of guy like, like Prince. You know, I talked to him. He's just an incredibly vibrant artist he doesn't want to be in any box nobody's definition of of what he should be (laughs) and i think this is really going to be a guy to watch for years and years to come this is the album that made him a star or it should have this is van hunt being a girl from the album on the jungle floor from chicago public radio every once in a while you meet a child that drives you what a mistake Van Hunt, man, I hear I hear Prince on uh, nitrous oxide or Curtis Mayfield on Mars or yeah, it's that Prince in his Camille voice. Remember Camille when Prince would be Camille on uh, nineteen ninety? No, it was on a Sign of the Times. Yeah, that was back yeah. before he discovered religion yeah. and Jehovah's Witnesses and great stuff, though, right? You were all over that album as well. Absolutely great record. You we got to get Van Hunt totally in. Totally right about He's that. He's just a red hot talent. We're winding down our uh, mid year 
best of records we think you need to know. We've got more on soundopinions.org. When we come back, we're going to do two of our favorites of the year. Two more on Sound Opinions. With a pocket full of rocket fuel, dragging strings that pull on a heart that's uncertain but beautiful. She just can't help being a girl. She just can't help being a girl. She just can't help herself. Full of spectacle and charm like nothing else. Being a girl. She just can't help being a girl. She just can't help being a girl. She just can't help herself. Full of spectacle and charm like nothing else. Being a girl. Public Radio. We're running down our mid-year best of so far. Jim DeRogatis of the Chicago Sun-Times and myself, Greg Cott of the Chicago Tribune. That's uh, Nico Case from an album called Fox Confessor Brings the Flood. That teenage feeling she's got. And a beautiful record, one of my faves of the year so far. We discussed it in past episodes of Sound Opinions, and you can check it out at soundopinions.org where we have links to all our favorite records of the year and the reviews that we did of those on uh, the world's only rock and roll talk show. But for now, I am going to go to my favorite record of the year so far. Um, oh, drum roll for Mr. Cott. Indeed. Bang, bang, rock and roll, Jim. Oh, <laughs> yes. What, what more can you say? You know? Oh, Sums it up. Top of the pops. Sums it up. Except uh, Top of the Pops is gone. Top of the Pops is uh, run its course 40-some years uh, on the air in Britain. And Art Brute never actually made it. On to Top of the Pop. This is so wrong on so many levels. The reason the band formed in the first place, this quintet out of England, in 2003 was expressly to be on Top of the Pops. Yeah. Uh, that was the reason that Eddie Argo said, I need to have a band, I need to get a band together, and I need to play Top of the Pops, and my yeah. life will be full. <laughs> and Eddie, who is really, truly one of the distinctive frontmen in all of music, gangly arms and legs, he's got the beer paunch, he's got the, you know, the kind of the shady pencil-thin mustache, he looks yeah. like he should be lurking around, you know, a Greyhound bus station or something No, he, like he looks like a schlubby Lester Bangs in, like, 1971. <laughs> yeah. Philip Seymour Hoffman in Almost Famous. He, he's just a mess. And he, and he sings, and, it, and it's 
almost like he's reading out of a phonics training book or something like that. It's this amazing <laughs> stage presence. Like, you go, how is this going to work in the context of a garage punk rock and roll band? And it works amazingly well. And the light bulb goes off in your head when, you, when he references Jonathan Richmond and the Modern Lovers mm-hmm. as being a great influence. If you listen to those early Jonathan Richmond Modern Lovers records, you hear Jonathan discoursing about mundane stuff, going to the Down post at the office, government, government center, center right. you know, and making a song out of it. And, and Eddie Argos has that same kind of brilliant ability to take just like an everyday moment in everyday life and make a great rock song out of it. Who has ever, in the history of rock and roll, written a song about celebrating that we just formed a band and you need to come and see us? I mean, mm-hmm. it seems like you should have that song should have been written 5,000 times. These guys are geniuses. i got to say, you know, we have two of the best jobs in the world as daily newspaper critics here in Chicago and, and <laughs> national audience on the radio. I, I don't think I've had a finer moment in the run of sound opinions <laughs> than having Art Brute into the studio <laughs> with us, right? That was absolutely one of the most fun interviews we've done. Again, go to soundopinions.org. You can find it. Catch up uh, on There will be a link to it. Uh, great, I trust you. Great band. Your life will be better for having <laughs> Art Brute in it. It really will. I agree completely. There are so many great songs on this record. Formed Band is the kickoff song that we have played on this show. It's a must hear. But we're going to dig a little deeper. The record, by the way, came out in the U.K., last year has finally been released in the U.S. only just a few weeks ago. Yeah, lest we get the three dozen emails yes. to say, but that was a 2005 release. Yes, Bang Bang Rock and Roll, with bonus tracks, by the way, for uh, uh-huh. additional tracks from the U.K. release that came out last year. I can't think of a really, you know, there's not a song I don't want to it, hear on this record. It's beginning to end brilliant. It's- and if you're on the fence and you hear it and you go, well, that's okay, go see this band live. Change your life. Go out there. Have your life changed. <laughs> Go see Art Brute. And, 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 and listen. no, we are not on the Art Brute payroll. <laughs> I tell you, Good Weekend is uh, Eddie Argos at his best from Bang Bang Rock and Roll from Art Brute on Sound Opinions.
I've seen her naked. Twice. <laughs> Are you converted yet? Boy, oh boy. Good weekend. Bang Bang Rock and Roll is the name of the uh, album. The name of the band is Art Brute. There is a petition out there to get Art Brute on top of the pops before it's too late. Before Simple the final one episode. sentence petition, yes. If you want to find out about it and how to participate, go to soundopinions.org. We've got a link to it. There you go. You know, Greg, it really is a tight call for me between Art Brute being the record of the year so far at this midway point and this next entry, which we also talked about on Sound Opinions, Gnarls Barkley, yes. Saint Elsewhere. Great I'm record. sorry, but this is, I have come to the conclusion, the more I listen to it, the more I live with it, the more it grows. I mean, not only is it is it an incredibly melodic and just groovy masterpiece of a record, but it is also, it is nothing less than the dark side of the moon <laughs> of the modern era, because it's a concept album. I ventured this theory when we first talked about it. It's grown on me more and more. Danger Mouse, a.k.a. Brian Burton, the sonic wizard who gave us the Grey album, that uh, illegal but brilliant combination of Jay-Z's Black album and the Beatles' White album, partnered with CeeLo Green of uh, Atlanta's Goody Mob. And they invented these mysterious personas and made a record that I think is kind of the the sonic equal of Paul's Boutique by the Beastie Boys. Mm -hmm. In terms of psychedelic hip-hop, you know, using the sampler and the hip-hop idiom to to create a world that only exists in the space between the headphones, I think this album ranks right up there. What it is, really, I think is uh, notes from inside the insane asylum, just as The Dark Side of the Moon was a concept album about the things in life that drive us crazy. I think all of the songs on Saint Elsewhere are different takes by CeeLo about losing your mind. You know, Crazy, obviously, one mm-hmm. of the singles of the year. But, you know, y- you listen to a song like Who Cares, which is the track I'm going to play, and CeeLo is you know, saying, basically, I- I'm complicated. <laughs> and then he goes on and on to explain all the different ways that he doesn't fit in. He is a square peg in a round hole society. This is Who Cares by Gnarls Barkley from the album Saint Elsewhere on Sound Opinions. Basically, I'm complicated. I have a hard time taking the easy way. I wouldn't call it schizophrenia. But I'll be at least two people today. If that's okay. And I could go on and on and on. But who cares? Surreal life, but it's still nice. 
Charles Barkley, man, oh man, who cares? I love it, but but who cares, man? <laughs> I love that song. I love Charles Barkley. That's a great way to end our uh, mid-year best of, Jim. A great record from Charles uh, Barkley, Saint Elsewhere. Go to soundopinions.org. We've got the entire list of tonight's show, as well as some additional goodies that we didn't get a chance to talk about from the first six months of 2006. I mean, we hope you listen to Sound Opinions every week and that you are on top of the world of pop culture thanks to our efforts. But if you only catch the mid-year best of and the year-end best of and go out and buy those records, I think that you will have one of the coolest record collections on the block. That's right. And if you listen to a third show this year, (laughs) make it next week because this will be a rare opportunity to not only hear John Bryan interviewed, but also a rare appearance outside of Los Angeles where he's actually playing some of his original compositions. Who is John Bryan? One of the most renowned producers of our time. He's not only worked with Kanye West, Fiona Apple, Amy Mann. He's a great songwriter. He's been a collaborator on virtually all of Paul Thomas Anderson's movies. Magnolia soundtrack. uh, uh, Soundtracks, yeah. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. I mean, this guy's done a little bit of everything. I think he's going to give us a really interesting perspective on the music industry and on just what great songwriting is. Exactly. Plus, we're going to talk, speaking of great songwriting, the final album of Johnny Cash's career, American 5, 100 Highways. It was set to be released, appropriately enough, on July 4th. Johnny began making this not long before his death. Uh, He was recovering from the death of his wife, June Carter Cash. It's the last one from a great, so we've got to dive into that. Got some thank yous to say on the way out. Tori Malatia is, as always, our executive producer. Our managing producer and director is Todd Bachman. Our producer is Matt Fingers Spiegel. Jason Saldana and Robin Lynn are our associate producers. Joe Dassault saves us every week with technical help. Dino Armiro spells us out of jail with legal help. And Jim Russell is Jim Russell at American Public Media. What else can be said? Jim, happy July 4th. I'm going to go celebrate the way Johnny Cash would have wanted us to celebrate. I'm going to go fire off some bottle rockets in my alley behind the house right now. Just watch the uh, alcoholic consumption, Mr. Cod. Oh, no. Why? But who cares?